You're listening to a Thorn Creek Weekend Message Podcast. For more audio content and other resources, visit thorncreek.church messages. Amen. Amen. Would you do me a favor and put in that chat room, God is good. Could you do that? I'm so excited today because we have people videoing me today and I feel like I have an audience today. So I feel like the church has grown by 100% in person. So I'm excited about that. Hey, I love that video because it makes me wonder what was it like when Jesus walked this earth after the resurrection? I mean, what was that like? People saw him nailed to this wooden cross. They saw him breathe his last breath. They saw him put in a tomb. And then they see him walking around. And I'm just guessing that there's some people who were just freaked out a little bit by it and thought, what in the world is happening? He walked around for 40 days and he had this agenda and he talked to people. Scripture says over 500 people saw him. What was that like? I want to ask you something. If Jesus were to meet you in person, who would he find? Who would he find? If Jesus just physically showed up in your kitchen, showed up in your living room right now and just appeared before you. Some of you are eating like a bowl of cereal as you're watching this and he would say, what are you doing? Why aren't you giving me full attention? Whatever it is, if Jesus were to show up, who would he find? Here's what I think. He would be introduced to what other people already know. He would find you and some of you are known for being a skeptic. Some of you are known for your sarcasm. Some of you are known for your anxiety. Some of you are known for complaining. Some of you are known for this unfiltered tongue. Some of you are known for your kindness or your temper or your love or your compassion. Some of you are hard people. Some of you are fickle. Some of you are known for your doubting. (laughs) And some of you are known for your faith. Who would he find? See, I think Jesus already knows who you are. People already know who you are. I think about the day when Jesus showed up into this room with the disciples and there was Thomas. And Thomas said, I need to touch your, touch your side. I won't believe unless I touch his side. I won't believe until I put my fingers in his, in his hands. And, and I don't think that surprised Jesus. I, think, I don't think other, the other disciples were surprised with what Thomas was saying. I don't think he was surprised at all. Thomas is known for one thing. And it's, he's known for doubting, being a doubter, doubting Thomas. Could you imagine that being your first name, doubting Thomas? Aren't you glad your first name is not what you're known for? Aren't you glad you're not known for angry Adam or anxiety Ann or lustful Larry or sarcastic Sam or fickle Fred or complaining Connie, whatever. Aren't you glad your first name is not what you're known for? One artist portrayed doubting Thomas like this. I like this picture right here. And his actual name is Thomas Didymus, which means the twin or double. We don't actually know if he was a twin, but that's what Didymus means. Thomas is the guy who needs to see proof. Thomas is a pessimist, not an optimist. Thomas will be the first to see the negative side of every situation. Thomas is the guy who would say, but how can we be sure? (laughs) Thomas sees the glass half empty. Thomas is the person that you need to show him or he won't believe. See, Thomas deals in facts. Thomas says, I'll go with you, but I need to know where you're going. (laughs) Thomas says, I'll follow you, 
but I need more information. Thomas believed behind every silver lining was a cloud. See, Thomas didn't believe everything will turn out all right. Thomas is the guy that is waiting for the other shoe to drop. Today's message is titled, Meeting Thomas. And what was that like when Jesus walked in and met Thomas? And I'm going to look at John chapter 20, and we're going to start at verse 24. It says this, Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, was one of the twelve was not with the disciples when Jesus came, one of the 12. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. I want to say this first, your doubt can predetermine your outcome. Your doubt can predetermine your outcome. Some of you are here right now. I need you guys to help the preacher and shout out amen or something like that because that'll help me preach harder here. Make sure I hear you now, Kate. (laughs) Your doubt can predetermine your outcome. Amen. There it is. (laughs) If you are convinced of something before it even happens, it will predetermine the outcome. See, you can lose the job before you go to the interview. You can be defeated before you even try. You can be angry before anyone speaks a word to you. You can be unfaithful before you even act out. You can give up before you get started. You can lose before the game starts. You could be discouraged before you face a rough day. You could stumble before you walk. You could walk away before you show up. You can quit before you get started. You could blame others before you see yourself. You can give up on your dream before you face the first challenge. Your doubt predetermines your outcome. Before Thomas was told, we have seen the Lord, Thomas was already doubting. Thomas was already doubting before he even, before he even heard those words. And I want you to hear this. Don't camp out in your doubt. Hello. Don't camp out in your doubt. Thomas said, unless I see the nail marks in his hands, Unless I see, the word unless is such a strong word. Sometimes we can do the same thing. We can say stuff like, unless God moves first, I won't believe. Unless God gives me more, I won't give to him. Unless God blesses me, I won't go to church. Unless I see a miracle, then I won't, I won't, I won't, I won't. Thomas had his own opinion, and he says, unless I believe, I won't. See, you will never grow if you worship your own opinion. I'm gonna say that again. You will never grow if you worship your own opinion. You could elevate your opinion above the word of God. Your opinion can keep you from becoming wise. Your opinion can keep you from hearing any truth. Your opinion can keep you from seeing any other perspective. Thomas had an opinion. His opinion was, unless I see, I won't believe. And that opinion prevented him from experiencing the joy and embracing the reality of Jesus Christ physically resurrected, 
and a plan for his life. Your opinion of how things should work out does not limit God. God is not confined to your understanding. Sometimes we could have an opinion about how God's going to move in our life, and, and we expect God to move in that way. You know, I look at this coronavirus and everything that is, has brought, brought, brought about. And I never would have included this in the, in the playbook. <laughs> and God is using this miraculously, and God will use circumstances in your life if you surrender yourself completely to him. Proverbs says this about your opinion. Chapter 12 says this, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man is he who listens to counsel. So in your own eyes, you can have a way that you think is right, but it may be wrong. And a wise person listens to counsel. In chapter 3, it says this, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. See, our opinion can get in the way of God's blessing for our life. And our opinion can get in the way from us understanding his will for our life. John chapter 20, verse 26, look what happens. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Isn't that a cool phrase? Though the door was locked. <laughs> Though the door was locked, it reminds me, you can lock the door and Jesus is going to show up. You can, Jesus is able to do whatever he wants to do. Though the door was locked, Jesus just shows up and his first words were, peace be with you. Isn't that a good word? Do you need any peace? Do you need any peace? Then he said, then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands? <clears throat> Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. What was that like? Um, Jay, can you come up here and help me out? Um, <clears throat> this is what he did. I'm going to have my son, Jay, come on up here. Could you imagine? Let's just pretend Jay's doubting Thomas just for, the, just for fun. And, and he says, put your, put your hand here and, and, and put, your, put your fingers in my, my pierced hands and feel that. Now put it on my side here. And put it, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. So, so Jesus is telling him to do this. He's telling him to do this. But what you don't see, maybe, is this. Look, thank you, thank you, son. What you don't see is this. And then he says this, stop doubting and believe. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. You know what's interesting about this passage is you do not see Thomas actually put his hands there. You see Jesus say, hey, why don't you put your finger here and see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. But you don't actually see in scripture at least, it doesn't tell us, so Thomas did it. You just see Jesus say, stop doubting and believe. And Thomas says to him, my Lord and my God. There was something about just looking at the physical presence of Jesus that was enough for Thomas. Initially, Thomas said, unless I do this, I won't believe. But when he saw Jesus, when he saw him in, very in the presence, the reality of his presence right there, he just said, I believe. I don't need to touch anything. I believe. 
It was enough. And he, he says, my Lord and my God. Do you think God would ever ask you to do something that he knew you couldn't do? Why did Jesus say, stop doubting and believe? See, Jesus is saying it's a choice. It's a choice. And incidentally, here's the grace of God. Jesus stooped down to Thomas's faith. He stooped down to Thomas's faith. He could have stayed up here and said, Thomas, you missed it. You missed it, Thomas. And he could have just rubbed Thomas's face all over it. But instead, he stoops down to Thomas's faith. And he says, let me help you out. Here's my hands. And here's my side. Go ahead and touch me and you can feel it. See, that's what, that's, what, that's what God does for us many times. He stoops down to where we're at and he says, you know what? I love you. I care about you. I know where you're at. I know the anger you have inside of you. I know the pain that you have inside of you. And I'm just going to help you come along. I know what you're going through. And, and I'm going to meet you where you are at. I know your lack of faith. I know your worry. I know your anxiety. I know your concerns. I know where you're at. And it's the grace of God that meets us where our faith is at. He stoops down to Thomas's faith. Faith is described like this in Hebrews chapter 11. Now, faith is the assurance of the things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Amen, Johnny? Amen. See, doubt looks at what is not there and sees fear. Faith looks at what is not there and sees God. <laughs> doubt sees the worst. Faith sees the possible. Doubt leans on your wisdom, but faith leans on God's wisdom. That's the difference. I like what Stephen Furtick said. Faith is not the absence of doubt. Faith is the means to overcome it. Isn't that good? It's not the absence of doubt. There's nothing wrong with the presence of doubt. You see that in all of the, the great champions of faith, whether it was Abraham or or Moses, or David, or whoever it was, you see these moments where they have this doubt inside of them. You see it in Gideon when he said, who am I? Whoever it is, there's, there's nothing wrong with having doubt. I think that's very human. But faith is when your faith is greater than your doubt, and your faith becomes a means to overcome your doubt. That's what faith is. Faith says, I'm not going to camp out in my doubt. I'm going to trust God, even though there's a giant in front of me, I'm going to trust God. Even though there's a pandemic in front of me, I'm going to trust God. Even though there's a great battle of an army in front of me, I'm going to trust God because I know God is with me. That's faith. Faith is the ability and means to overcome the doubt that you face. See, it's not faith when you can put your hand on his side and touch his hands. That's not faith. It's not faith when the miracle happens, and then you want to get credit for the faith. Faith is, I'm going to trust God even though it hasn't come to pass. I'm going to put my faith in God even though I don't see anything happening. That's faith. You don't get credit for faith on the other side. Abraham 
the father of faith, was credited to be righteous before his son Isaac was born. Faith is trusting and believing even though you can't see anything working out yet. God expects you to have organic faith. Organic faith. It should be growing every day. It should be going to another level every day. Every time you spend time reading God's word, it should be developed and should be gaining more muscle and, 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 and spiritual muscle. Your faith should be growing every day. I chose to believe. Let's talk about my wife and I. I chose to believe. Even when we lost two children due to miscarriages, I chose to believe. Even when I was betrayed, even when I was slandered, even when I was hurt, even when I was abandoned, I chose to believe. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You chose to believe even when death came to your door too soon. You chose to believe even when you were abandoned. You chose to believe even when it didn't make any sense. You chose to believe even when sickness came to your door, even when cancer came to your door, even when the unthinkable happened in your life, you chose to believe. Even when you lost the ability, even when you were told you have weeks, even when it seemed like your enemy triumphed, you chose to believe. Even when things didn't go the way you expected, you chose to believe. Even when you were facing a deadly virus, you chose to believe. Even when death was all around you, you chose to believe. Grant us favor as we seek your face, O oh God. No other face but the name of Jesus, God. We're seeking your face, O oh God, to bring divine healing from heaven, God. Upon every sickness, God, every disease, God, in this house, so many people are suffering, God, because they can't be with their families, God. They're lonely, they're dying alone, God. But no word says that. I love that video right here in the hospital of that scene and seeing people just kneeling down and, and praising God and, and thanking God. And I think about, you know, you don't see footage like that typically in, the, in, in hospitals. I mean, before this pandemic, how many times did you see scenes like this on national news or in social media where you saw people just kneeling down saying, Jesus, we choose to believe in the midst of this pandemic. We choose to believe in the midst of what I'm going through. I choose to believe. And we're doing all the things that we think we should, but we know ultimately, God, you were the one who heals. Ultimately, you were the one who saves. Ultimately, you are the creator of God. And we're choosing Choosing to believe. That's the position that God wants you to be in. God wants you to fall to your knees and say, Jesus, I need all of you. I choose to believe, but you are responsible for my life. You are the one who gives me breath. You are the one who holds my future. I choose to believe. And Jesus is coming alongside Thomas. Thomas is learning to walk by faith. This coronavirus. This coronavirus has taken over our world, but I want you to hear this. Your relationship with Jesus is more important than the fear of infection. Your walk with God is more important than walking your dog. Following Christ is more important than following the news. Being close to God is more important than keeping social distance. There is more at stake than wearing a mask. 
This is an opportunity right now for you to turn to Jesus. This is an opportunity for you to make sure you are right with God as you have breath in your lungs. God's grace is covering you. This coronavirus needs carriers to survive. And I want you to know Jesus Christ needs carriers of faith. Jesus Christ needs carriers of faith to show this world what it looks like to walk by faith in the midst of a pandemic. This is a time for Christians to stand up. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says, And without faith it is impossible to please God. Oh, think about that for a little bit. Think about that. Without faith it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. <clears throat> you see this invitation, and this verse right here is in the middle of heroes of faith. I encourage you to read that for homework. Read Hebrews chapter 11. But it's this idea that those people who please God are people who walk by faith. Those people who please God are those who earnestly seek him. See, it's a choice. It's a choice. Everything around me is telling to doubt, but I'm going to believe. Let's go back to the story of Thomas. It says, because you have seen me, you have believed. That's what Jesus tells him. Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. That's you and me. That's us. That's us. We have this incredible opportunity to believe even though we haven't seen physically yet. We have an incredible opportunity. And Jesus is saying, if you believe right now in this era, in 2020, in your living room, wherever you're at, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you will be blessed Thomas missed it. Thomas doesn't know that blessing. Jesus said, ah, you believe me because you saw my hands and you saw my side. You believe me, but blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Could you imagine what heaven's going to be like? When you get to heaven, by the grace of God, as you put your faith and trust in Jesus, when you get to heaven, are you going to have joy? I'm Almost, I'm certain you will, but I, here's my prayer, that you won't have even a speck of regret. Because when you get to heaven, you won't need any faith. You're there. But here's, here's my concern. I don't want to get to heaven and experience heaven and think, oh, I missed it. Why didn't I believe when I was in the world? I don't want to have that kind of regret. Why didn't I have more faith when I was in the world? I didn't want to have that kind of regret. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Incidentally, that word blessed there is a little bit different from the Beatitudes that we're familiar with in Matthew. This word blessed right here means acceptable to God. Acceptable to God. It's the same meaning that we read about in the life of Abraham. Romans chapter 4 says this, Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger. And in this, he brought glory to God. 
Oh, isn't that beautiful? He never, he never wavered. He never wavered in believing. In fact, just the opposite happened. His faith grew stronger. And in this, he brought glory to God. And verse 21 says this. He was fully convinced, not partially convinced, not mostly convinced. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. Glory to God. And because of Abraham's faith, because of Abraham's faith, because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous, acceptable to God. This word righteous means the condition acceptable to God. See, the greatest people who please God the champions of faith that you read about in Hebrews chapter 11, whether it's Abraham or whether it's Moses or David or Gideon or so many more, the champions of faith were surrounded with reasons to doubt. The champions of faith were surrounded with unanswered prayers. The champions of faith were surrounded with with confusion, the, the champions of faith were surrounded with the whys of life. But their faith was greater than their doubt. And they kept going forward, kept trusting in God, kept believing and believed that their God is a good God and he's good on his promises and it'll come to pass. Something the Lord showed me in this whole crazy thing is a changed Thomas. We don't always talk about the Thomas that we read about in, in the book of Acts. Thomas, unfortunately, he got his nickname in John chapter 20, and he was known as Doubting Thomas. But if you, if you flip the pages and you look at the book of Acts and you see who Thomas was after Pentecost, after the Holy Spirit fell on the disciples and, and as, as God used him. And let me tell you a little bit about this Thomas. This Thomas changed after Pentecost. He became a different man. He traveled outside the Roman Empire as a missionary to India. He became known for his boldness. And church tradition says he was planting a church in India. The ancient Marathoma Christians revere him as their founder. He was possibly the first to bring the gospel to the Far East. This, this also it might explain why he's known in India as the patron saint of India. And his name in the Indian language, Toma, remains quite popular even to this day. And they claimed, this is how he died. He was pierced by, by four soldiers. He was pierced on his side. And church tradition says that, that it was while he was establishing a church that he would die from his wounds. Don't you find it ironic that he was pierced in his death when he became famous for not believing and said, I won't believe until I see the, the piercing on the side of Jesus. Don't you find that ironic that that's how he died? <laughs> the very place that made Thomas famous, the very place that he said, I won't believe, is the very place that he also died. Same place. The Lord just showed me something when I saw this. The Lord just showed me something. I want you to hear this because Thomas was a different person at the end than he was in the beginning. Thomas was a different person after he 
after he saw the nail marks in the hands and, 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 and the spear mark in his side, Thomas was a different person. Thomas was willing to die for Jesus. And he was willing to be that, that front line, that frontier, that first into a whole other nation, a whole other land, because he loved Jesus so much. And he became famous. He became bold and courageous, and he was known for that. Here's what I want you to hear. God wants to change your name. God wants to change your name. The very place that has made your character famous can also make your name famous. That very place where you used to doubt, now you can be a person of faith. That place where you were known for being a coward, you can now be courageous. And that very place that you were known to be driven by your lust, you can be now be driven by the Spirit of God. That very place where you were known for your temper and being a hothead, you can now be a person of self-control and peace. That very place where you were known to be moody, now you can be constant, you can be consistent, you can be reliable. That very place where you used to be a warrior, now, now you're trusting God. That very place where you used to be fickle and used to jump around from one thing to another, but now you are faithful. That very place where you used to be selfish, but now you're a servant. That very place where you used to struggle can now be your strength. That very place where you used to be sarcastic, now you could be an encourager. That very place Place, God can work in that weakness. God can work there and he can change you and he could give you a new name. Glory to God. He can give you a new name. See, God wants all of you. He doesn't want just a little bit of you. He wants all of you. He wants you to turn to him and trust him. <clears throat> right where you're at, if you sense something stirring inside of your heart, I want you to know that's God's Holy Spirit speaking to you. Maybe you could identify with Thomas a little bit. If Jesus showed up in your living room, who would he meet? Who would he meet? I want to give you an opportunity to turn to God. Turn to him with all of your hearts. Let Jesus Christ be your Lord and Savior. You're not watching this video by accident. Jesus led you to this video, and he wants all of you. Maybe you're far from God. Or maybe you consider yourself a Christian, but you're really not walking by faith. Maybe God is calling you to be a carrier of faith. This is an opportunity we have in the midst of this pandemic. This is a prime opportunity to walk by faith. We don't get credit for walking by faith when, when in, in the times of prosperity and health. It's easy to walk by faith in times of prosperity and health. We get credit for walking by faith in the midst of of trouble, in the midst of uncertainty, in the midst of unanswered prayers, that's when we get credit to walk by faith. Let me pray for you. God, thank you for your grace. And right now, God, I just, uh, I pray for, I thank you for your Holy Spirit. I've sensed your spirit. And right now, God, I want to pray for that person who needs to turn to you, Jesus. And maybe this is you. Maybe you're not a Christian. And, and right now, you want to give your life to Christ and and you feel that burden, would you say this prayer? Say, Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. I confess with my mouth that I'm a sinner and that I need you, and I believe in my heart, Jesus, that you rose from the grave, and I receive you right now as Lord. Forgive me for my sins. I repent. I turn away from them, and I
and I turn to you. I choose to become a follower today. Others of you, you might consider yourself a Christian, but maybe God is stirring your heart to take your faith to another level. Would you just say this? God, I want to I want to have unwavering faith like Abraham. I want to be counted as righteous in the midst of this pandemic. I want to walk by faith, Lord, even when there's uncertainty all around me. So right now, God, I just ask, I choose to believe. I choose to believe. I choose to believe. And I ask you, Lord, just to help me with that choice. Grow me, build me up. And use me any way you want me to. You want to use me, use me. It's in your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. Each year, thousands of Thorn Creek Church messages are downloaded for free. This ministry is generously supported by Thorn Creek Church members and listeners like you. If you'd like to support this ministry, please consider making a tax-deductible donation by visiting thorncreek.church/give.